It says this, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve you to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. I tell that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed right at that moment. before we begin our revival from this morning. Lord God, thank you for your servant Libby. Thank you for the way you've been with her as as she's been preparing this talk. Will you uh, open our ears to hear what it is you want to say to us through this this morning? In your name, amen. Thank you very much. I'll put a timer on because we all know I can speak for a good amount of time. Hi, everyone. Um, For those that don't know me, I'm Libby. It's good to be here. And um, like I said, we've been in the Kingdom of God series, and we're still in Matthew. Matthew loves this theme. He mentions it over 50 times, so he's he's a bit of a big time on the Kingdom of Heaven. And um, if you haven't been here the past few weeks, um, do go back and listen to them. Um, it's been great. It's been a great time. And I feel like if you weren't here last week, it was amazing with the youth leading and they've set a very high bar. So um, here we go. I'll give it a go. Hey, the kingdom of God can be quite confusing. Um, you know, in the New Testament, it says both the kingdom is here, but also the kingdom is coming, not yet. So it is a bit confusing, but I guess it's a little bit like Christmas in that throughout the Christmas period, you're putting the tree up, you are going to carol services, you're doing presents, all of that sort of stuff. But it's not until Christmas Day that you see the fullness of that day. And it's a little bit like this, right? So the kingdom, we get to see glimpses where we are now, but it's not until and Jesus comes back that we see the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. So if that um, helps, we live in this sweet tension, guys, living in the gap of both simultaneous triumph and groaning. And, and we get to see a little glimpse of it today. I believe that we are living in an amazing time set for us, like each of us, in our own influences and circles and what a joy it is to be able to see the kingdom advancing in those times. So I have three points like any sermon should have. Um, 
And they are humbled by Jesus, invited by Jesus, and invite like Jesus. They're the three points today. So let me pray before we get going. Lord, I pray this morning that you would be raised up. You would be honored and glorified. Lord, I submit to your agenda. Do what you want to do today. And I pray this wouldn't just be an, a passing of information, but uh, that you would be transforming our hearts and then towards this city as we learn about you and as we're led by the Spirit. Amen. All right, humbled by Jesus. I wonder if you've ever been humbled before. Um, now, living, living as one of three, being the youngest, it was probably a daily occurrence being humbled, um, particularly on holiday. Here's, here's one example. We're at a beach. Now, I'm the sporty one of the three. The others have not played sport at all. And so you can imagine me on the beach, right, kicking the ball about, throwing the ball about, and the other two are sat there reading. And I'm like, guys, come and play with me. Come and throw a ball. Come and kick a ball with me. And they're like, Dad, sort her out. Like, we're not going to do that. Until I say this, I bet you can't get the ball off me. Now, that changes everything. My middle sister nibbled hard. And so she put her book down and came charging after me. And I was, getting, I was like, oh, she's coming. She's not going to get the ball because I am the best footballer in the world. And she's never played sport. And she comes charging after me. And within two seconds, she's kicked the ball out. And I'm like, no, 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 I wasn't ready. You didn't count down, all of that. I'll get the ball, do it again. Thinking, she can't play football. That was just a fluke. Beginner's luck. And again, she goes, all right, three, two, one, go. And I'm like, yeah, she's not going to get this, trying to shield the ball. Again, within two seconds, she wins the ball back. And I'm like, wow, I'm not the best footballer in the world. I've been brought down a peg or two. And uh, you might have had some experiences like that, either recently or back in the day. I actually had one this week. I won't say this, but um, slightly embarrassing rather than humbling. Uh, I've learned how to use cleats. Anybody get, oh, got cleats on the bike? When you get clipped in, you are stuck, right? And so if you forget that you have them on and you stop, you just fall. And um, it was an interesting time learning how to use them this week. <laughs> but let's have a look at the first verse, if you've got your Bibles. Um, the first verse, and uh, it's a bold statement, but this first sentence might well hold the real miracle of the story. I'm not going to lie. Here we go, verse 5. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. A centurion came to him asking for help. I believe this would have been extremely humbling for the centurion. The centurion would have had an incredible amount of power. Hundreds of men at his command. Huge influence, a huge status. If he had Instagram or Twitter, he would have had a blue tick. Like, he is big time. He's big time. And yet, he goes to Jesus. This moment contains one of the most dramatic reversal of social roles. You've got the rich, powerful, influential Roman centurion 
going to Jesus. <laughs> Zero property to his name. And no defined status in the social system. Now, was this guy in a desperate situation? Yeah, quite possibly. Or, and or, did he just have a realization that the authority of Jesus was far greater than his? Would have been a complete humbling of any pride, any power, which is what I think led to his absolute practical reliance on the power of Jesus. Hey, we remember lockdown one, don't we? What a time that was. Wow, long time ago now, lockdown one. And uh, it's when we headed to Zoom, Zoom prayer meetings, Zoom services, Zoom alpha, Zoom quizzes, Zoom alpha. That was interesting. And we, feel like we were like, is this going to work? Remember, we were like, is this actually going to work? And then it did work, and we saw God move, and we were like, yeah, it works. <laughs> but here, as we see, throughout Jesus' ministry up until this point, Jesus had never healed from a distance up until this point. And so it was a huge step for anyone to believe, let alone a Roman centurion, to believe that he could just say the word and it would happen. He had an absolute practical reliance and trust. And he understood the unlimited power of Jesus, even before it had happened. Now check out the reaction. I hope that when I was reading this, it sort of stood out. Check out the reaction of Jesus to the centurion, both humbling himself and the reliance on his power. It's in verse 10. And it says this. When Jesus heard this, so the centurion coming to him, asking for help. And just trusting that he had an outrageous reliance on his power. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Now we see a lot in the Bible, people's reactions, the crowds. A lot in Matthew, actually. Check this out. I've got a few for you. Matthew 7, 28. The crowds were amazed. Matthew 8, 27. The disciples were amazed. Matthew 9, 33. The crowd were amazed. Matthew 19, 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. Matthew 21, 10, when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. So we get the idea. The disciples probably lived in a constant state of amazement, didn't they? But this is the only time in Matthew that it's Jesus that marvels at something or someone. The only time in Matthew where it's Jesus that has a reaction why do I think this? I believe that for the centurion to put down his own power and put down his own pride, to place his trust in the power of Jesus and to ask for help is something to be marveled at. I don't think it's a coincidence it's the only time that Matthew states the reaction of Jesus because it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. Are we humble enough to ask for help? from Jesus, to put down our own pride and to be totally reliant on his power. Now this, um, this reaction from Jesus then led to an invitation 
which um, we want to get into because this is that of the banquet, the feast of the kingdom of God, and this is where we've hit a little bit of the, of the sermon series, the kingdom of God. This is, now, no discredit to any other preacher that does the kingdom series, but this is the best picture of the kingdom, one of the feast. We love a feast, we love a banquet, we love a party, don't we? And uh, what a joy it is to be able to, to speak on this. It is a radical invitation that Jesus gives to this centurion, to the kingdom feast. For a Jew to sit at the table with a Gentile would have been ritual defilement. For them to sit down and eat with a Gentile would have been ceremonially unclean. And yet Jesus shares here that both Jews and Gentiles will be sitting together at the kingdom feast. Not only that, but with the patriarchs, the saints of the faith, as fellow guests at the banquet. Now, I've spent a lot of time over this past few weeks sort of thinking, what would the centurion think? Stepping into his shoes, what, what would that feel like? And... Um, God's really been speaking to me about it. And so I have a bit of a, a spoken word for you for what I felt like the centurion would be feeling or saying. <coughs> I'm influential in this Roman Empire. And my individual rank keeps climbing higher. I say the word and people provide what I desire. So should I speak to him? Should I ask? Should I put my pride aside and give him the task? His authority seems different to mine. It's not the same. I've seen things happen and it's all done in his name. There's nothing else I can point to or that I can blame. So I've started to believe the things that he claims. My servant is suffering. It may well be his last breath, and while I've heard that he's supposed to be our daily bread, I've seen things happen, and it's all done in his name. He's turned people's disappointments into divine appointments. He's powerfully disempowered the societal systems. He's given encouragement to the discouraged and preached that they may have courage. He's healed leprosy and calms the sea. Could this next miracle involve a man like me. Jesus, he sees me. A centurion, but he does not run away from me, but stays mercifully to hear my plea, and yet I'm not worthy, but I call out, help me, for I'm in need. Say the word, and my servant will be healed. I'm used to having all the power Yet it feels like my strength is gone. I'm not that strong. I can't heal my servant. It can't be done. But he, he is able. That one that was born in the stable. So much power and authority that he made all and sees all. And now he says to me that there is room at the table. There's a seat for me. I look into his eyes and I see that he's pleased that me, a centurion, would truly believe, and he's asking me to take my place at the feast. He turns to me. Let it be done, just as you believed. 
and my servant was healed right at that moment. It was indeed the greatest bestowment. Hey, I've seen things happen. It's all done in his name. The fact I was involved is something I can't explain. If Jesus included me on his big move, then maybe there's something I should ask you. Even to the last and the outcast of the room, I think it's time that you should choose. Are you going to pull up your chair and join the banquet too? So, invited by Jesus. Are you going to join? Are you going to pull up your chair? Let me suggest this. Those that are willing to humble themselves before Jesus should be ready to take their seat at the table. Knowing that they aren't the host, but they are the welcome guest into the banquet, into the feast, into the presence of God. This is a mad invitation. Hey, what makes this different to any other feast or party? I was thinking like... What's so good about this invitation? You know, sometimes you get an invite to a party or a gathering and you think, I'd rather just stay and watch this series on Netflix, actually. What makes this so radical and good that you want to be there? And um, I didn't really have the wisdom to know this, so I asked some friends this week. And um, one of them said this, Jesus is captivating and you get to spend time with him when you're there. That's true. Kingdom of heaven. You get to spend time with him. Another one said this. It's perfect. That's it. Two words. It's perfect. Another, a place where all unknown things are known. And the final and wholeness of God's good and pleasing perfect will will be present. Not bad. Another We are seen, known, loved, and we don't have to prove our worth or value. We are completely loved to our core. That's beautiful. Another, a kingdom where the almighty, all-knowing, all-loving, despite our flaws and mess-ups, it's God who reigns sovereign. Yeah. And this last one I love. You can tell he's a youth leader. It's a low bar to get in. (laughs) Guys, it's a low bar to get in. There's no dress code. You rock up as you are. You don't feel out of place. That sounds like a party I want to be a part of. There's a theologian, Lucy Pettiot. She's the principal of WTC that came to do a a talk here. And um, absolute powerhouse she is. She's written some incredible books. So check her out. Um, She said this. We cannot really be enjoying the party unless we have a sign that there is truly no segregation or distinction between races, genders, classes, ages. No one should be excluded and invitations should be sent far and wide. No one should be excluded. No one. Like no one. No one think you get the idea no one should be excluded so if you're here and you haven't yet taken your seat at the table you're so welcome I'm here to tell you the invitation is for you no one is excluded it's life-changing as well by the way okay
let me say this again, those that are willing to humble themselves before Jesus should be ready to take their seat at the table. He's given you the most radical invitation to a party. So come and join. Call out to him. Come to him and take your place. Now there's many of you here that will say, yeah, I've taken my place. I see my name card. I've gone there. The next one is on the screen. Are we ready to invite like Jesus? Are we ready to pull out the chairs for people? Ask them if they want to join. Those that are willing to humble themselves before Jesus shouldn't just be ready to take their place. They should also be ready to see the kingdom advance through you. The kingdom is not just a mere contemplation. It's a feeling, it's thought, it's action. Do you know, we hear, um, we hear a lot of comments of the church declining. Oh, our church is kind and people leaving church. Let me tell you, if you look out of these walls, the church walls, there are people hungry, more hungry than ever. They need inviting to the feast. So hungry. And some of you know, you're nodding, you're like, yeah, I've been in those conversations. Someone says something mad to me. I don't know, I've been in work and someone's mentioned something and I'm like, yeah, they're hungry. We know. The thing is, if we saw somebody physically hungry, we'd go down to the co-op and we'd get them some food. What are we doing for those that are spiritually hungry in this city? A mate of mine, this season, she just turns to me and she said, Tell me about this God stuff then. Tell me about this God stuff. Zero faith background. Tell me. I'm hungry. I want to know. I know there's something out there somewhere. But what is it? Guys, they need inviting to the feast. That's it. Fusion, which are a student mission organization, they did a study this year. And they found that 74% of students would go to church if they were invited by a friend. That's a huge amount willing just to come, see what it's all about. Joe, I actually wouldn't be surprised if it was similar in the millennials, maybe slightly lower, but the majority of people would be willing. We live in a relational time. People want to be invited. Are we willing? to invite people in, and hey, not just to a church service, although that's great, but to invite them into knowing who Jesus is, the King and the Kingdom. Now, what I'm not saying is that you go into work tomorrow, and you're on coffee duty, and so you bring in the coffees, and you put one down on the desk, and you say, here's your coffee. And why don't you pull up your chair to the kingdom of heaven? Like, I'm not saying, like, be weird, guys. Or you're on the school gate and the mum's talking about little Leo's six-year-old party. And you're like, oh, I don't know about that party, but you're welcome to the kingdom party. Like, I'm not saying, like, be smooth like that, but um, (laughs) 
My, my friend also, she has a tattoo of a table on her arm to uh, remind her to pull up a chair for people. Like, I'm not even saying get a tattoo, although I'm sure she'd be pleased she's not the only one. What I am saying is can we invite people into our lives for a coffee, for a walk, for a meal, our colleagues, our neighbours, our family, our friends? Can we invite them for a meal around our house? Do you know the meal times in the last 60 years? The average meal time 60 years ago was an hour and a half. The meal time now is 12 minutes average. <laughs> like, guys, invite people for a meal and more than 12 minutes long. <laughs> takes your effort, it takes your time, it takes your finance, it takes your prayers, it takes your boldness. Yeah, it takes your time and a lot of it. Like it's a persistent love. It's messy, it's hard, but it's all for them to see Jesus through you for them to see the kingdom through you, for them to see the kingdom advance in your life and in, and in Bath. Do you think Jesus knocked at the door of your heart once and left you alone? I don't think so. He went as far as dying on the cross for you. That's a persistent love. He laid down his life for you so that we could have life. That's persistent. That is radical. I wonder if there's a time this week that we can just lay down our life and our needs to love, uh, love someone. But it's not just a one-off, but it's a persistent love. So we can join in in Jesus' radical invitations. Invite them into your story, your life. And invite them into the story of Jesus story of the king and the story of the kingdom because let me tell you when you're sat at your place in the feast and you look to your side and you pull up a chair whew, I'm getting passionate here. come on you see someone captivated by Jesus and you've helped them pull that seat it's beautiful that persistent love it's worth doing I'm not ashamed of this by the way He's burned on me with it, mine. Don't worry, set me. <laughs> it's really worth doing. Pull out the chair next to you. Invite them into your life.
and into the story of a king. I'm going to encourage the band to come up. And if we can stand, and hey, there's loads of space in the middle. If we want to do this together as a family, so we can reach this city, let's stand. I welcome you to come into the middle with me. You can do that now. (laughs) Come join, come join. As you make your way to the middle, I believe that God's going to help us as a church community to become more like the great banquet feast. There is plenty of room at the table, plenty of people to be accepted and welcomed in. But you know, if we envision the banquet table, a feast composed of who we think should be in it, Hey, it's, it's likely to be incomplete. So we need, we need Jesus. We need his vision for this because he keeps surprising us, doesn't he? He keeps surprising us with who he invites in and who he uses. So we need his vision and not our own. We need his example. We need his power and not our pride. So I'll say it again. Are we ready to be humbled, humbled by Jesus, to ask him for help, to call out to him? Are we ready to take our own place at the feast, knowing that we are welcome guests by an incredible host? And are we ready to join in with radical invitation? those around us to join in the kingdom to join Jesus in the kingdom advancing here in this city I believe that's our call today at such a time as this we're in our amazing influences and circles that we're in and I truly believe he's going to use us to help us Invite people into your story and into the story of the king and the kingdom.